2: episode 139, Money Mindset Shifts.
3: Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money. embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Mm
2: -hmm -hmm. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are talking about mindset. Mm. Your vibrations and frequencies on the earth and what wavelength you are at. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We're not talking about that at all. (laughs) We are talking about the psychology about your money mindset and its parallels to what you achieve financially.
4: Mm. Yes. The integration of your. Whole person. Whole person. Your mental health, your financial health and well being, all aspects of who you are because they're connected and we're never going to stop talking about how connected they are.
2: Absolutely. And we're also never going to stop talking about our sponsors.
4: Mm. The Frugal Friends Workbook. This is still so exciting to me and I like nearly can't not sing the title. If you're starting to think about how you're going to do better with your finances in the new year, but you already know you're not going to make a complete 180 degree life change, then check out the frugal friends workbook. It is a digital workbook with six week long challenges that turn improving your finances into a game. In addition to the challenges, you'll get 60 pages of teaching and implementation guidance. And while it can be completed on your own, it is created to be done with pairs, in pairs or in small groups. And that's why every purchase comes with two downloads. So head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash workbook to learn more and use the code Taco Bell. That's right. T-A-C-O-B-E-L-L, all one word, and get $10 off the regular price. Mm, Yes.
2: And today's episode is also brought to you by childhood. Ah, that nostalgic period where you may have had to make your own bed, but you didn't have to pay bills. (laughs) Your childhood wants you to know that you may be an adult, but it's still around. Creeping in the crevasses of your brain, waiting until an NSYNC song comes on the radio, or you see 90s fashion come back in style. Everything else was a dumpster fire this year. Why not fashion too? Like fashion, you may have thought you had good ideas at the time, but learned later that you were wrong. So let your childhood remind you that thoughts are flexible, and you can change them at any time. Childhood. The things you thought when you were 7, 17, or even 27 may not be accurate today.
4: Oh, good word. Mm. Man, after that sponsor, we can really <laughs> just wrap it up. That's it. Short and sweet today. Bye. Oh, so many nuggets of goodies in there, but we'll let you all ponder <laughs> it and get into these headlines, baby. Yes, if you need to take a minute though to meditate, it's <laughs> totally fine. Just hit the pause button.
2: Yeah, we're going to keep going with our first article from Business Insider and it is 12 negative thoughts about money that are holding
4: you back. Yes. Oh, uh, so good. So we're just going to go through some of the top mm-hmm. ones that stood out to us. I will say I kind of picked the ones that I used to tell myself, which is why they stood out to me. (laughs) So you're getting a little bit of both, a little insight into me and then just like some of the highlights. The first one that can be a barrier to us getting at our financial goals is I don't make enough to save. Uh, If you've ever told yourself this before, this article is trying to prove us all wrong by saying there is not a minimum threshold here to be able to say, you know what, I can get at some savings goals. I may not make enough to put massive amounts aside, but doing the small thing and the little step ultimately to build the muscle, the goal is not to stay in a place of low income, low wage, but we still do need to practice Mm -hmm. saving. And just clinging to this idea of, I don't make enough to save, that's not going to go away if we don't actively work to make that thought go away. Because regardless of whether or not we increase our money, we might still stay married to this thought. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was my thought too for most of my time after I graduated college. And I guess it just came from not ever having quote unquote enough. Mm -hmm. But yet I always had enough money to buy Starbucks and like other little things. But I just felt like saving and paying off debt was a big thing. And it was, I had never done anything big in my life. And so I thought I can't do anything big. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was kind of where I was at on it.
4: Yeah, an all or nothing Mm -hmm. mentality, which we can have in a variety of aspects of our personhood. Well, I need a three-week vacation in Indonesia. And if I can't get that, then I just won't have a vacation, right? Like, And we can apply these types of things to any aspect of our lives. Like, well, I need to be saving. I need to be maxing out my 401k. And if I can't do that, then why even have one? It's just like, we can get ourselves into this trap when the reality is Anything you can put away helps to secure your financial future.
2: Absolutely. And we are big proponents of small steps. So Mm -hmm. they're not as sexy as big steps, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, we all want to be the story that paid off six figures in nine months. And that story does not exist, like, in the real world. Mm -hmm. You hear about these things— on the internet and on social media because they are exceptions, because they are mm-hmm. extraordinary, but they're not ordinary. And it's okay to be ordinary. It's very okay to be ordinary.
4: Thanks, Jen.
2: Absolutely. The fourth one on this list is you think I'll never pay off my school loans. Mm. So this was me all the way. Mainly the reason was is because I didn't think I made enough And so I would save, if I made a little extra, I would save it because I had the scarcity mindset that I need this money. Like something's going to happen to me and I need to have this money. And obviously it's smart to have an emergency fund, but I was making enough to start repaying my debt. Again, it was so big. I didn't think I could do it. So I wouldn't even make small steps. And we talked about this A lot last episode, but it wasn't until we were paying it off. It wasn't until we were like five months in that I thought, oh my God, I can pay this off. Like I didn't think we could do it when we started and we just kept going. I just kept myself distracted. I didn't let myself think about the magnitude of it. I just kept myself distracted with making money. And that was really my method. (laughs) (laughs) That was honestly what I did. And By the time I looked up, after I got over my shingles, we were on this path to significantly decreasing the amount of time it was going to take to pay off our debt.
4: Yeah. The other one that stands out to me on this list is number seven, where we might think, I can only make so much money in my chosen field. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) This has been me. And I can find myself in that trap occasionally as well. And ultimately what this does is limits us to, okay, so if I'm not going to make much money in this field, then I'm just going to resign myself to not even hardly setting any goals. And the reality is, A lot of times we'll base this off of maybe what we perceive to be the top earners in our field and think, well, that's the cap. If anything, I'll make what they make and it's still not a ton of money. And so, okay, this is just my life. And we resign ourselves to this certain kind of lifestyle versus if we were able to shift our mindset and our expectations to be able to discover new opportunities. This article even prompts us to consider what's the biggest problem facing the industry or the field that you're in. And if you are able to be a part of that solution, my goodness, yes, you will be rewarded nicely. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all of us are going to be that level of entrepreneur, but it is worth breaking out of these types of mindsets to say, I don't have to limit myself there of, well, maybe I'll only make as much as whoever I perceive to be making the most in this field. It it can be a fallacy. I can only make so much in my chosen field. I definitely, as a social worker working in my field, make far more right now than I thought I could. And I'm doing things I thought I wouldn't be able to do. I get to travel internationally as a social worker. I never thought that that was a possibility working in the field. Maybe if you exited the field and you did something (laughs) cool, you could travel internationally for it. But I get to do that. And it has taken a degree of creativity to make that possible. But I'm so glad that I didn't limit myself to what it means to work within the field of social work and help others, that there is not only life experiences that I'm gaining, but yes, I'm making more money than what I thought possible and not compromising what I have worked for regarding education. I get to apply my education to my work, and it's way different than what I thought it could have been in my early 20s. And I'm grateful for that, and I share that just to say we don't have to limit ourselves just based off of like a small understanding of what we think our roles are or could Mm -hmm. be.
2: Yes. Let's all take a breath together, a collective breath. If you're listening to this in your car mm. and sit sa- and repeat after me, money is easy to come by. Mm. Money is easy to make. That feels really hard for me to like follow right? that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know what's difficult to make? Time. Mm. Time is difficult to make. Time is impossible to make. And when you compare it to time— money is easy to make. Mm. It is easy. And it took me a really long time. And I say that and I'm still on the journey to actually believing that. And one of the big things that has helped me kind of believe that money is easy to make is listening to the stories of other people in my industry that are actually Uber successful. So, like, outrageously extraordinarily successful. I don't ever want to be there, nor do I believe I can be there. So, I'm like still limiting my belief. (laughs) But I listen to them and I'm like, oh my God, they are there. So, I can at least be here,
4: Mm.
2: which is a far cry from where I thought I could be. Mm -hmm. And every year when I get better, I get further and I get closer to those people who I think are extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So I highly recommend listening to podcasts and trying to find people in your field or in the field you want to be that are doing extraordinary things. And that's gonna help you believe that you can do it too.
4: Yeah. 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 Hmm, that feels like a hard word. Mm -hmm. It's one to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that there
2: are limitations for sure um I'm not discounting the fact of some people are limited and they're disadvantaged but if you say that you can take yourself just a step further like you don't have to even believe that you can make as much as Mark Cuban Mark Zuckerberg all the marks, all the marks. you don't have to believe you. so you're gonna marks. be a mark yeah but you can believe that you can be better mm-hmm. than what you believed you could be.
4: Yeah. I think ultimately is which, where do you want to land in what you're saying to yourself? Do we want to land in these places that are holding us back mm-hmm. to say, I'm never going to make more money. This is always going to be my life. I can't ever do anything better. Like, Do we want to choose to stay there with what we tell ourselves as our narrative to ourselves, Or is it more advantageous to say, hey, I have a skill set. I have something to offer. My time is valuable. The work that I do for others is valuable. And there is potential for me to earn more, to gain more knowledge, to be better next year than I was this year, not just financially, but as a person and in my character, I think that growth mindset is always going to be more helpful, more beneficial and advantageous to us than than a stagnant mindset, one that might want to keep us stuck.
2: Yeah. We only have the perspective in which our surroundings typically allow us. Mm -hmm. And so to have a growth mindset, you just need to step back a little bit and look at where you're at, look at where other people are at, and have that create your own outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, like, you, to get paid, you just have to show up at a place or on your computer and, like, log into something mm-hmm. or something. That's mm-hmm. not super difficult. So, like, money is easy to come by, mm-hmm.
4: theoretically. Yeah, we're not saying, like, millions of dollars River, is easy no, to come by. But no. getting a job and making a wage, yeah. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. Especially with the help of a community, a supportive community. Absolutely. It's interesting because the pendulum can swing on the other side. I want to point out number 10 on this list is mindset of money isn't that important. That we could either put so much weight on money and forget all these other aspects of our lives and our personhood, or we could swing the other way and just be like, well, who needs money? You know, like it's only a tool or a resource, which it is, or money can corrupt people, or money is often very bad. So I would rather just avoid it and take on maybe a poverty mindset. And I think, again, this is where that radical middle that you've heard us talk about in this podcast is so helpful that we could go to either direction, either placing way too much weight on money or not enough weight on it, and to recognize we do need it as a tool, it is a resource, it is something that can help us become more healthy. It is something that can create freedom. It is something that can assist others in their journey within life. It is something that we can be generous with. So it's not necessarily, oh, avoid money, it's corrupt, but maybe how do I want to use the tool of money as a force of good Mm -hmm. in the world? Yes, absolutely.
2: Number six also resonated with me, I'll never make as much money as so-and-so. So Mm. So it says, comparison is the death of joy. I guess Mark Twain said that, another Mark.
4: (laughs) All these Marks. (laughs) We should have a Mark of the week, huh? (laughs) Oh, don't ruin it for Bill.
2: (laughs) So yeah, I, in my business, have frequently said that. And so I mentioned something that helped me was listening to people that are making like outrageous amounts of money in my field. And so at first, my mindset was, oh, I'll never be like that. I don't have that business mind. I don't know how to do that. I don't even want to do that. That seems like a lot of work, yada, yada. And so it has gradually, over time, shifted to, hey, I have spent a few years in this industry, and if they can do it, why can't I do half of that or a quarter of that or whatever And why can't I be a little bit better than what I thought I could? Like these mindset shift things, it's all a journey. You have to get more experience to realize that you are capable of more. But yeah, that was definitely one that I had for sure (laughs) and still do Mm -hmm, at times.
4: mm -hmm. Or the last one on this list, number 12, is I've made too many money mistakes to ever recover, Oh, this is a devastating one and does speak to a great deal of some hardship and probably some downcastness in the financial landscape. If this is a mindset that's being adopted, but the reality is, is no, if you're still living and breathing, taking in oxygen, then you're not too far deep to recover from your money mistakes. Yes. We can always do. A little bit better the next day and the next day Mm -hmm. and the next day. I think this is a place of hopelessness. And that is devastating to feel like there is no hope, but to recognize this is a mindset that's happening that can be shifted. This is a story that we are telling ourselves that we can choose to not tell ourselves. That no, I don't think it's true that any one of us can reach a place of, ah, oh, too many money mistakes, I'll never recover. Yes. That perpetuates that cycle. That's what that mindset does.
2: And I think of so many other things in life too, that maybe in relationships or in jobs that you want to go for, I can think of so many other times where I've seen people think that, mm-hmm. that I've fallen too many times, it's not worth getting back up. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've seen any movies, <laughs> it's that last time that you get back up, that's the time they make a movie about it. Yes, It's like, they don't make movies about somebody who fell down 18 times and then never got back up.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, they make movies about people who fell 18 times and got up the 19th and, and succeeded. <laughs> so all that to say, they may not make a movie about you. <laughs> Just press on until it right. finally
4: happens. Yeah.
2: Keep doing it. And so the last one on this list that I wanted to mention was number 11, but I wanted to change it slightly. So on here it says, You think I'm not checking my credit card balance because I don't want to know. So I switched that to I'm not checking my budget (laughs) (laughs) because I don't want to know. Yes. I am a horrible budgeter, naturally. My business is called Modern Frugality because I prefer to just not spend money versus budgeting to spend it. Mm -hmm. I don't love tracking everything and planning to that detail. So there are definitely times where I would make a budget and still even now make a budget and then I'll make one purchase that I didn't plan on. And then I'm like, "Mm, I'm just not going to check the budget. I'm just not going to spend anything. Or I just keep spending more often now. It's like, I'm just not going to spend anything else because I don't want to look at my budget.
4: It's a weird phenomenon (laughs) that like, oh, I don't want to look at it as if that's going to make it not true (laughs) or as if that's going to help in making anything better. Mm -hmm. But we do this. I can't quite explain why, but we do.
2: It's weird. I don't know. It's still like all of these things are ebb and flow in my head. Mm-hmm. Some days I do good, other days I fall back into it, and it's because they have been ingrained in me since childhood. Yeah, so it's hard to change how I look about money, and I've already changed so much. Yeah, I have come so far in the past five years, mm-hmm. and I have to give myself some grace. And you should give yourself some grace too. Like you're already making like changes that are leaps and bounds yeah. from what you were. Yeah. So when you can't be perfect, have grace for yourself.
4: Mm-hmm. I like what you're pointing out, Jen, about the and our sponsor. <laughs> Thank you, Childhood. <laughs> the way that some of these thinking patterns are so ingrained in us. And sometimes we don't even realize it or even realize that it's a mindset that needs shifting or a mindset that is holding us back from any given goal. But this is where so much of our behaviors start is in our minds and in our thought processes. And if we can rein that in, we do have the potential of changing our behaviors which can relate to actually meeting financial goals. I want to also just to bring this a bit to the the mental health level, the clinical level. What we're talking about here with these mindsets are cognitive distortions. Like that's the clinical term for mm-hmm. what we're describing. And we all have them. There's a lot of them. I want to just give a brief rundown of some really common cognitive distortions. We've talked about them. Like what we've just described in this article is examples of some cognitive distortions, but the actual language for it, just so that you can be more prepared and have some tools in your tool belt to identify what it is that's happening for you inside your mind. So, one of a cognitive distortion is filtering, where we might magnify negative details and derail or completely ignore all the positive things that are happening in our lives. We kind of filter it in this way. That's something that we can do related to our finances. Another cognitive distortion is polarized thinking, or what we might describe as black and white. It's it's either this Or it's that. It's all or it's nothing. Kind of like what we were talking about before. Like, either I can save a bunch of money or I can't at all, so might as well not do it. That's a cognitive distortion.
2: You may have seen this cognitive distortion in
4: October of 2020. (laughs) Yes. A lot. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes. (laughs) We all fall victim to some of these, maybe all of these, any given moment. (laughs) Another one is overgeneralization, to reach a conclusion based on a single incident or one piece of evidence and just completely overgeneralize. Another is to quickly jump to conclusions based on a few facts, Another cognitive distortion is to catastrophize any given circumstance of imagining that this is just a massive tragedy that is happening when really it might not be as major as we're making it out to be. Fallacy of fairness blaming, shoulds, or labeling. Uh, So many, right? And so if you're more interested in this, certainly it's something that that you can look up. I'll link an article in our show notes to just laying out a good deal of common cognitive distortions. And this is something that a therapist, a counselor could help you to identify in your life, whether it's related to finances or not. But cognitive distortions can be found in our financial lives. And we've just given a Bunch of examples of them. And the goal is not to remain in these cognitive distortions, to identify them and move out of them so that your life can be aimed at well being and financial freedom and getting at the goals that you want to get at. It oftentimes starts in our mind. And if we're able to recognize where these things are happening, change some of our mindsets, change our perspectives, change the narrative that's happening, we will do much better in our actual behaviors.
2: Mm, Good word. (laughs) Well, that's it, folks. That's all for today.
4: (laughs) Hashtag childhood. Yes.
2: (laughs) But we can go over this other article. It may be helpful. It's from Mm -hmm. Psychology Today. And it's four steps to release limiting beliefs learned from childhood or some of these cognitive distortions uh, that you may have from childhood. Mm-hmm. So I really liked short, succinct processes. Yeah. And I love that this one's four steps, strategic and can help you like leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. become better financially.
4: Yeah. What this is, is it's laying out a therapeutic technique and intervention that can be done on your own. If you're recognizing that you're having a lot of difficulty doing this on your own, then maybe getting a buddy to help you or seeing a counselor or a therapist. They can absolutely help you through this process. And it's related to what we've talked about in the past of thoughts influence our feelings, influence our behaviors. It goes in that cycle. And so if we can catch it at the thought level, we can then help to influence our own feelings and our behaviors out of that. And yes, this is absolutely a principle that we can apply to our financial lives. Mm -hmm. So step one is to write it down. What is, this article chooses the term limiting belief. We could say cognitive distortion. We could say internal narrative. Pick your wording and verbiage, doesn't matter. It's all the same concept. What is it? What is the phrase that's going through your mind that is keeping you from being able to get at some of these goals that you have for yourself or what's holding you back Again, we gave a lot of examples in that first article of I'll never make enough money, money's bad, you name it. What is it that you're telling yourself about money and write it down?
2: Yes. And step two is to acknowledge that these are beliefs, not truths. They say this is the hardest step, and even like a common quote is people will respond, but my limitations are real. So here's the place where choice comes in, which are you more interested in? Defending your limitations to the death or achieving your goals and desires? There's a quote from an author in here. She says, when we argue for our limitations, we get to keep them. (laughs) So you choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read another article that had a similar four-step process. And on this one, it said, it kind of like, Give in to your beliefs or acknowledge your beliefs and be like, if you say you're not good enough, then say, okay, I believe I'm not good enough and speak that out, but define that it is a belief and not the truth.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: and acknowledge that. Mm
4: -hmm. So,
2: But I like this one a lot. When we argue for our limitations, we get (laughs) to keep keep them. them.
4: Yeah. And where do you want to spend the majority of your time, energy, and attention on proving that you'll never do better or shifting the mindset and see if something else is possible for you? Mm -hmm. I like step three. I like the way that they word it. It says, try on a different belief. I (laughs) love this word picture of trying it on. I think it helps with step two, the initial like cringe factor of step two where every part of us wants to be like, no, this is real. And I don't want to let go of this because in some weird way it feels protective. But to say, try it on because you can always take it off. See what it looks like. Get into the fitting room if it's Mm -hmm. open, if it's not COVID. It's pants and you try them on one leg at a time. Yes, exactly. I just love this idea that that you could try it. Mm -hmm. Just try it. It it makes it so much less scary, so much more freedom and choice in that process. And so what it's saying is, let's figure out what we might be able to replace this with. Rather than saying, I'll never be able to make as much money as so-and-so, what if we said, "Hmm, I might be able to make X amount of money? What if we took away the comparison with even another person and just said, I think that I'd be able to increase my salary by 15% next year, right? Like if we just try on a different attitude or narrative for ourselves, or repeated a certain goal, try it on, see what happens in your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors as a result of that.
2: Yeah, you don't even have to give it a number or a value if you don't want to. Just being like, I will increase my income every year. Mm -hmm. And whatever that is, if you do it, you've succeeded. Yeah. You know?
4: They give an example of my financial difficulties in the past have taught me so much that I'm fully prepared to handle them now. That feels powerful. (gasps) Yes. And it's such a different approach from I'm too far gone to ever come back from the financial decisions I've made.
2: Yeah. My starting line is so far behind everyone else's Mm -hmm. that it doesn't even make sense. Like, I'll never get to where they are. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to try.
4: Now that I've been in an unhealthy relationship, I've learned what to look for in a happy, loving partner. Mm. Mm.
2: Yes. Powerful stuff. Yeah. I love it. So try on your different belief. And then step four is take different action. So this is really scary. But you have to act as if your new belief is true. In other words, you really are the kind of woman men adore. Or if you really were, how would you act at parties or money really is easy to come by. So, how would you act when you're looking for side hustles?
4: Mm.
2: Try acting out what you would do if your new belief Was actually true. Mm -hmm. So you don't even have to believe it's true yet.
4: Yeah. And part of this starts to come naturally as we train our thoughts, as we stop ourselves. Once we've named and identified what the limiting belief is or the cognitive distortion is, we are better equipped to be able to identify it when it happens. And then to train ourselves when that goes through our mind, to replace it with a different narrative, the one that you're trying on. And as you continue to do that, it will just start to shift your actions. Mm -hmm. There will come a point where you don't have to actively focus on changing your behavior if you're able to catch it at the thought level.
2: Kind of like fake it till you make it, but (laughs) not as yucky as that sounds. Because you're not faking anything. You're just trying something new, and you're getting bigger pants, like if you're a kid, not if you're like a full-grown woman, (laughs) but you're getting bigger pants that you want to fit into, and you're wearing them with a belt at first until you're old enough to really fit into them, but you're getting the bigger (laughs) pants because you're a child and not a (laughs) full-grown woman.
4: I love it, I'm sorry. (laughs) Put on those big pants until you don't need a belt anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to do it with small pants like you're trying to lose weight because that's a negative body image that I don't want to perpetuate.
4: You're my favorite counselor, Jen.
2: You're my favorite counselor, Jill. (laughs) And these are coming at you for free, like sessions by Jill (laughs) coming at you Uh, for free. So I hope that gave you kind of A strategy that you can go home tonight, sit down, write down some limiting beliefs and acknowledge them, figure out what to replace them with. Because just like a habit, like if you wanna build a new positive habit or break a bad habit, you need mm-hmm. both. They're not mutually exclusive. So in order mm-hmm. to break one, you need to replace it with a positive one. Mm-hmm. So just like this, if you want to build a positive mindset, you need to replace a negative one. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: do that and fake it till you make it. <laughs> Put on your big girl pants until you grow into them. And wear them till you grow into them. I don't know why my voice changed there. Uh, who, I don't know who I am.
4: Oh, you you know what can save us from the big pants?
0: (laughs) BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control?
5: Hi, Jen and Jill. My name is Allison, and my Bill of the Week is not a specific bill, but a group of bills that I call non-routine expenses. These are bills that I pay once or a few times per year, such as oil changes, annual subscriptions like Amazon, haircuts, 10 class passes for yoga, vet appointments for my cat, etc. I would make what I thought were these amazing comprehensive budgets in Excel and then feel like I could never stick to them because I would end up overspending in so many categories. So a couple of years ago, I made spreadsheet outlining and categorizing these non-routine expenses that occur over the year, and it totaled over $4,000 of my annual spending that I was not accounting for properly in my budget. I now have a few categories for my non-routine expenses that I've figured out the annual total for and divided by 12. I save those monthly amounts each month. So when one of the bills comes due, I already have that money allocated. I have a lot more control over my budget now, and it isn't as stressful when these bills come due.
2: Ah, Allison, so smart. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's it. That's how you do it.
4: That is how you do it. I like the way that you've gone about this. I think sometimes people can just say, here's a target amount of money to save for emergencies, quote unquote, but what you're describing isn't an emergency. We wouldn't want to go into an emergency fund for that. It's the non-routine expense, but still just an expense to plan for. And just the methodical way that you've looked at your budget, looked at what that spending has been, and then accounted for that throughout the year. I love it. What a great tip
2: yes, I have a budgeting course and that's exactly what I teach in it because it does save you so much like mental anguish from thinking that you are busting your budget every month. But really it's because you need this extra fund between a miscellaneous fund and an emergency fund for all of these. So way to go figuring that out, Allison. And if you figured out something fun that's bill related, please, please, Send it to us, frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill, and leave us your bail.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events, chef-prepared meals, safety, and security, transportation, resort style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
2: And now, it's time for...
4: The Lightning Round. The Lightning Round. (laughs) 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 Gotta get the last word in. I do. Mm.
2: Today, we're talking about our limiting beliefs and how we overcame slash are working on them. Mm. I like what you wrote here, Jill, in the outline. Mm. Very
4: comprehensive. (laughs) Short and sweet. Oh, man. My limiting belief is I'm poor. That's it. I Mm -hmm. just have held on to tight-fistedly this idea that I'm poor for a long time. Or to be replaced with maybe I don't have money. Maybe that would be like another version of that. And part of that was based in aspects of my childhood experience where we didn't have money at various points growing up. And I was accustomed to that. It's part of what has fed a frugal mentality for me is I'm I'm used to not having money. In my early years of marriage, I mean, college, yeah, didn't have money in college, got married, didn't have much money. And I just kind of continued to hold on to that belief and almost allowed it to define who I was. I really did. And this is even hard to admit and say, I think there were aspects of pride that I took in how little money I had and was still living and almost used it as this thing to like talk about and prove myself in a weird way of how little money I had and how much more money other people had than me and how savvy and resourceful I had to be because I was so quote unquote poor Mm -hmm. And I don't have like a timing on the exact pivot point of this, but I do remember at some point just feeling quite convicted in myself for holding on to this idea of I'm poor. You know what? I think it was in college in studying social work and in realizing what poverty actually meant. And while my finances showed me that I was below the poverty line in life and relationships and support network. I was not poor. I was actually quite wealthy. And even recognizing the privilege that I had that, okay, even though I'm below the poverty line, and maybe there are days when I'm like, oh, what's for dinner? What are we going to (laughs) do? I knew that I would never find myself in a position where I am literally sleeping on the streets because we were in positions of having family and friends who love us who would always take us in. And to me, being poor would be not having that, right? Like that to me is truly finding yourself in a poverty situation where you don't have access to those resources. And I felt convicted, like, I can't claim this. This is not mine to say that I am struggling with this aspect of life. Like, I need to stop saying this because it's mm-hmm. not true. Maybe I don't make a lot of money, but I'm not poor. I'm wealthy in many, many ways. And I and me claiming this is also leading to discontentment and in some ways, some entitlement entitlement in different aspects of my life. So I just really felt as though I need to stop saying this. Even if I don't make a lot of money, I cannot keep claiming that I'm poor. I don't have money. And so I did. I stopped saying it just because I felt like so bad about saying it and like the realities that other people are living in. And... I don't know if I can fully place it on this or not, but throughout life, I have started to make more money. And now I genuinely cannot say, I don't even make below the poverty line. I make well above the poverty line now, just financially speaking. And I would say my mindset and perspective has to be a part of that. Not allowing myself to say, all right, I'm a social worker. I'm just forever and always going to make below the poverty line But to say, no, it's possible to make enough to live off of as a social worker, I don't have to become some business tycoon to make a lot of money. I can make a livable wage. I started saying that. And I think there was some other social workers who kind of challenged me in that. Like, don't keep saying like, oh, we make nothing. Social workers, we make nothing. No, you make something. You do make something and you agree to what you make and you can make it livable. So start saying that. And I did. (laughs) And it is becoming more and more livable for me. I love that. Oh, yes. And that's so healthy to realize
2: like poverty is not just the amount of money that you have. There are a lot of other things that go with it. And I love that. I feel feel similarly about when I see those memes that are like $7,000 in my savings account, $200 in my checking account, me, I'm broke. Mm -hmm. You're not broke. You're making a cognizant decision to... Not spend Mm -hmm, elsewhere. mm -hmm. You're not broke. That's a bad mindset to have. So mine is similar. It's a scarcity mindset, which I feel like would be in parallel. Even when I was in debt, like I think I had $7,000 in saving and probably $200 in checking. And I said that I said, I'm broke. I can't afford specifically too broke to pay off debt. Like I could still afford my Starbucks and all those little things. Cause when I was growing up, we could never afford family vacations or home upgrades or cars or anything big. If it was big, we couldn't afford it. But if it was little like candles and soap and planners and all this stuff, toys, we could afford it. So that has been something that has stuck with me. So Now that I own my own business, I feel the same way. Like I can afford small things, but I can't afford big things that would make the business run more efficiently or would grow the business. And it's untrue. It's wildly untrue because Mm. I see the bank account and the money is there, Mm -hmm. but I can't part with it. So it's the same mindset I had six, Mm. seven years ago it rears its head in a different form. So all that to say, like the money mindsets that you struggle with, even if you get over one aspect of it, it can come back in different ways. Yeah. And that's how it comes back for
4: me. Yeah. And that's why this is a journey of frugality and learning ourselves and one another in this process. And it's okay. Like we're never going to fully arrive anywhere And yeah, we'll hit some of these difficulties in different ways at different points in this. But I think recognizing, as you're saying, this is what it is. Oh, here it is. It took on a little bit of a different shade, but it's the same thing. And you know what, Jen? You've conquered it before and you can conquer it again. I believe that.
2: (laughs) And then I come to this thing trying to not just spend money for the sake of it to overcome this mindset and then I have the, okay, so what is the most efficient way? But that stretches mm-hmm. me to learn more. Yeah. And that's
4: healthy too. Mm. That's my story. So good. Love to hear in our frugal friends community group on Facebook. If you're in it, if you're not, come join us. But tell us about some of your limiting beliefs or things that you kind of tell yourself and maybe how you've overcome them, how you are currently overcoming them, or if you just feel stuck, like, all right, I know that this is what I'm thinking, Mm. but how do I move past it? uh, Reach out and let's chat there. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. We want to thank you for your kind reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Like this one, comes from Alberton101, says, love this, happens to be five stars. Short and sweet, they say, so glad I found this podcast. Such great information. Currently binge listening. Mm,
2: I love a good binge. I love a binger. Yes. <laughs> they are my favorite.
4: We've got plenty of episodes to binge so off So of.
2: many. Oh my gosh, 139. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did we find the time to do that?
4: <laughs> little by little, step by step. Step by
2: step. So we also want to thank our friends who share these episodes on social media. So when you share the latest episode and tag us on Facebook or Instagram, we're going to add you to our monthly drawing. For every five tags and reviews we get each month, we give away a copy of the wonderful, fantastic Frugal Friends workbook.
4: Mm. Keep leaving us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Send us a screenshot of that review to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. That also enters you into the drawing. Also tag us on social. And just keep hanging out with
2: us. frugalfriendspodcast.com slash group. Slide into my DMs. Like, Mm. come in. Come on. (laughs) Let's overcome our negative money mindsets and our limiting beliefs together.
4: Mm, To get at this frugal lifestyle.
2: Man. See you next week.
4: Bye. Frugal Friends is produced,
2: edited, and mixed by Eric Sirianni. Well, it is December 18th. This episode comes out on December 18th. Mm. And you know what
4: that means. Christmas is coming! Yes! Mm, I'm excited for our Christmas episode. Yes. I don't know who's going to listen to us on Christmas Day, but it'll be an honor to whoever chooses to let us join their family festivities.
2: Oh, my gosh. What are you most looking forward to week of Christmas?
4: (sighs) Being with my nephews and niece. Mm. I have not ever been with, like, shared actual Christmas day with my sister and her husband and my niece and nephews. I've always seen them around the holiday, but never actually on Christmas day. So this feels like an absolute treat that I am so looking forward to. Yeah.
2: Mm, That's
4: awesome. What about you?
2: So every Christmas Eve, we go to Travis's Dad's side of the family, and they do a game. It's like it's like a white elephant gift exchange, but grandma buys all the gifts and they're like dollar store things. And everybody has their thing. And you get to do like three rounds of it because it's such cheap stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their thing that grandma knows that they like. And so people are fighting over their things. <laughs> That's so like for Travis's two uncles, it's these socks, Mm -hmm. these high ankle socks. They fight over them. (laughs) Not that they could ever go to the dollar store and get them themselves. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's just so funny to watch. And then there's candy. And so the kids are not allowed to play. This is an adult (laughs) thing.
4: That's amazing.
2: And like once you are able to play, like you've ascended into adulthood. Wow. So like some of the teenagers are playing and, oh my gosh, mine has always been hand soap.
4: Ooh. And
2: I feel like it's going to get more competitive uh-huh. this year for the hand soap. <laughs> this is my thing. This has always been my thing. Yeah. I'm going to just go in there and be like, hey, I've been in this family uh-huh. for six years now, and you know hand soap's always been my thing. Yeah. Just because it's 2020. So cough it up. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't
4: cough it up. Hand it over with, with the rubber gloves.
1: Yes.
2: So I look forward to that game every year. It is very fun. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Hopefully getting some hand soap.
4: Oh, amazing. You know what, Jen? If you don't get hand soap, I'll give you some hand soap. It's the principle.
2: Actually, I bought hand soap this year for the first time probably in my married life. I had to buy hand soap. (laughs)
4: Because all the Christmases, you get enough hand soap.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. So I don't actually need the hand soap, but it's the principle this year.
4: Well, I hope you come in with a win.
2: Thank you. Well, I'll let you know. We'll stay tuned. I'll let you know.
1: (laughs) Bye. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview, Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls